Have you ever wondered if we are more than just these physical bodies? My name is Don Culp. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master teacher, meditation coach, and owner of the Zen Room in Gilroy, California. You can also find us online at www.thezenroom.net. And today we're going to be talking about energy work. Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Zen Room. So I have to tell you, this episode has been in the works for a while. It has been on my mind to have this conversation with all of you for quite some time. I know I've been promising it for a long, long time. So today is the day. Today we're going to have a conversation around energy work. So I will tell you that I am certified as um, a Reiki master teacher. So that is my area of expertise, but I want to have a bigger conversation than just Reiki because I feel as though we need to understand energy work or complementary alternative medicine, also known as CAMS, complementary alternative medicine is really taking off. It's really taking off. And I think it's because we have gotten to a place where we realize that we are more than just physical bodies. As I started this podcast at the very beginning, at the very top of this hour, I said, have you ever wondered if we are more than just these physical bodies? So when somebody comes into the Zen room for the very first time, one of the things that I like to explain is, is I say, I want you to imagine that you're a stool with three legs. You have a physical leg, you have a mental leg, and you have an energy leg. If you break your arm and you need to have your arm set, you're going to go to your physician and he's going to do all of the medical things to treat the medical break in your arm. That's a beautiful thing. If you are having issues, mental, mental health issues, you're going to go to your therapist because the therapist is going to be very, very much in charge and interested in that mental leg of your three-legged stool. But then there's this other leg that's been ignored for a long, 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 long time until recently. And we've definitely seen an emergence in that energy leg of the stool. And it's a very real thing. So a lot of times when people say, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by energy? I will say, well, there is an energy in the world that exists. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around because it is invisible. But usually when I say this next little bit, people go, yeah, well, okay, I can't argue with that. I would say, do you agree that gravity is real? And they will say, well, of course, if it weren't real, I'd be floating up in the sky right now. And I said, okay, so gravity is actually a different form. It is a form of energy. Um, There's thermal energy, radiant energy, kinetic energy, electrical energy, chemical energy, nuclear energy, gravitational energy, right? all these different types of energy and then there's you know some energy is potential or stored energy some energy is working or kinetic energy right so when I ask my clients sitting in the chair across from me I said well gravitational energy is real correct and they say yes and I say well what color is it well I don't know I can't see it and I said precisely um the radio or the wireless waves that are moving through the air, connecting cell phones across the globe, um, we know they're there 
because, you know, if, if we have um, sensitive enough instrumentation, we can detect those waves in the air, those radio waves, but I can't see them. I can't see them flying through the air. Um, I, I remember when we had first gotten one of the micro, uh, those microwaves, we didn't realize that it was a bad thing to stand in front of the microwave and watch our popcorn pop or watch our whatever cook. It wasn't until after a while where people said, hey, if you're going to have a microwave, you need to stand a certain ways back because, you know, you don't want to get those microwaves hitting you. And it's like, well, I can't see them. Well, of course you can't. They're invisible. So we have come to understand in other aspects of our life that energy is invisible. But when it comes to our own bodies, the little light bulb hasn't gone off for everybody just yet until they start connecting the dots and go, you know what? You're right. I can't see microwaves. I can't see radio waves. I can't see cellular waves. I can't see gravity. I can just feel the effects of it. But knowing that the effects of gravity are there, I, I can't deny that it exists. So we need to take that same mentality when we think about invisible energy in other areas of the world and apply it to our own bodies. So that's first and foremost. And then it doesn't take long for people, you know, to have their little brains click and go, you know what? I get it. Yes, I can see the physical body and I can feel a broken arm. It's very obvious. So the physical leg of the stool is very, very easy for people to get their heads around. The mental leg of the stool, even that one is fairly new in comparison to the body because that, that deals more with our thoughts and our thinking. And, and of course, there's obviously mechanisms in how the brain is working um, or not working or the chemicals that the brain is producing or not producing correctly. And so that leg of the stool, okay, yeah, we get that. But more and more now, what we are finding is, what we are seeing is an emergence of people understanding that energy is a very real thing. Now that we understand that energy is a very real thing, we have energy moving through us and around us all of the time. We are electrical beings. We have instrumentation in hospitals and doctor's offices that are sensitive enough now to see um, our brainwave activity or our heart wave activity. Well, that's great. Before we had this very sensitive instrumentation, we were able to, to know that our heart had a beat. We were able to hear that. But what we're finding is the more sensitive the instrumentation becomes, the more we're able to identify the things that we thought were sort of mystical or invisible. It's just that we didn't have the instrumentation available to be able to monitor or measure it or watch it or observe it to give us in, you know, an ability to have empirical data. So science is all around being able to see something, being able to repeat something. Um, but if you can't see it because it's invisible, and if, if you don't have the instrumentation sensitive enough, then you, you, you know, it's difficult to measure. But now the technology is catching up and it's able to give us the ability to understand ourselves in a way that we weren't able to understand before. So this conversation is not around the physical. It's not around the mental. It is absolutely around that energy leg of the stool. So I did a little bit of research in preparation for this. Um, and this is coming right off of the ncbi.nlm.nih.gov website. I know that's a mouthful. 
<clears throat> and what it says is 42% of the people in the United States report that they have used at least one CAM therapy, complementary alternative medicine therapy. In 1997, an estimated 15 million adults took prescription medications concurrently with herbal remedies or high-dose vitamins. So when we get into the CAMs, what they're calling complementary alternative medicine, that can be anything from supplements or herbs to acupuncture, acupressure, massage therapy, herbs, um, I think I said herbs, energy work, Acupuncture is a form of energy work, by the way, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. Um, Out-of-pocket costs for CAMs are estimated to exceed $27 billion, which shows that CAM is now a business. It's a big business. And hospitals, managed care plans, and conventional practitioners are incorporating CAM therapies into their practices. Medical schools, nursing schools, schools of pharmacy are teaching their students about CAMs. Um, if you listen back to a podcast I did not too long ago about all of the hospitals across the country, across the United States, that are offering um, essential oils as an alternative to pain management or um, uh, in the ER clinics, it can sometimes take a long time to get your, say, your anti-nausea prescription. And so what the folks in the emergency rooms have been doing is offering essential oils as an alternative to anti-nauseum. And a lot of patients are saying, yes, please, because A, they can get to the essential oils faster than they can the, um, the, the uh, prescriptions. And B, or number two, a lot of people are just preferring a more natural holistic route. So more and more we're finding CAMs to be a very, 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 very emerging thing in this world of healthcare. So what I will tell you is my area of expertise is Reiki, R-E-I-K-I. So now that we understand that the body has this energy field, this energy component that helps to keep it animated and working. And you can feel the difference between a low energy day and a day where you f your energy feels great. We throw that term around a lot without actually giving it a ton of credit. But in all honesty, it's like, gosh, I have no energy today. I can barely get off the couch. Well, what does that mean? Why is that the case? Or, man, my energy feels really good today. I feel like I could conquer the world. Okay, so we are aware that there is this element to us, this third leg to the stool, that helps us to work, to either work efficiently or feel sluggish or drag. Okay, so I'm going to um, dive in here just a teeny little bit with some statistics that I was able to find online that I found really, really, really astonishing. So um, the International Center for Reiki Training has estimated that there are over 4 million people throughout the world who have taken at least one level of Reiki training. So for those of you who are familiar with Reiki, you realize that there are different levels or certifications that you can take. Um, for those of you who have not heard that, you know, it's just like anything. You've got your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, or you've got your associates and then your bachelors, right? There's a graduation that happens, right? Because 
the idea of practicing energy work is really starts on the foundation that we all have to be healthy first. So Reiki one is about healing the, yourself, Reiki two, then you start working on energy work for others. Okay, but there are over four, over four million people throughout the world who have taken at least one level of Reiki training. Reiki education is offered in more than 800 American hospitals as a means to accelerate the healing process and to alleviate pain. Okay. <clears throat> the idea here, and it's interesting because um, it wasn't that long ago, I want to say 20 years is all that I remember acupuncture was considered woo-woo. And I'm going to put woo-woo in quotes. How is it that you can put teeny little needles in the skin and then all of a sudden miraculously you feel better? It must be a placebo. You couldn't get it covered by insurance to save your life, right? Today, fast forward today, I remember I was using acupuncture years ago and people would say, first of all, what is acupuncture? And I would say, well, you know, you've got, you've got this energy system. And uh, when, when there's um, a congestion in the energy system or the energy flow, the acupuncture will assist in getting the energy or the chi flowing again. And they looked at me like I had five heads. What are you talking about? You stick needles all over your body to get this invisible energy um, moving through your body? That's insane. Well, fast forward 20 years and not only am I no longer insane, <laughs> everybody knows it, they've either tried acupuncture once or know somebody who has it is now covered by almost all insurances it is a completely acceptable and wonderful cam complementary alternative medicine and um it's old hat now people are used to hearing acupuncture it's not a weird thing anymore so i always say that reiki is like a close cousin to acupuncture in those regards it is still energy medicine it's a different way of using the energy, right? Um, so give us 15, 20 more years and we will find that it is just as commonplace to say Reiki practitioner as it is acupuncturist. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's interesting because we are seeing it working in beautiful ways today and we have been for quite some time. So the New York uh, Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University campus, conducted one of the first studies ever performed to determine the effectiveness of Reiki treatments on the autonomic nervous system. This blind random study included a Reiki treatment group, a control group, and a quote unquote sham treatment group, right? So there were three different groups. One of them actually had Reiki treatment that was being done. One of them was a hoax or a joke. And then one of them was a control group. And they designed this scientific study this way very intentionally because um, we wanted every, every scientific group needs a control group. But the difference between somebody actually being Reiki certified and somebody just pretending to be Reiki certified, we want, they wanted to see what the, um, what the results were. Okay, so the testing began with all participants at a baseline autonomic nervous system level and the results within the Reiki treatment group showed a lowering of these levels including heart rate, respiration, and blood pressure. 
These positive results led the team to recommend further larger studies to look at the biological effects of Reiki treatment. It's interesting to note that Columbia Presbyterian was one of the first hospitals to offer Reiki as part of their integrative medicine program. Okay, so that is huge. Um, Reiki passes tests with flying colors. There have been many other controlled studies submitted to peer journals and to the touchstone process for review. Ailments and disorders that tested favorably to Reiki treatment include post-operative pain after tooth extraction. I can tell you, I just had a couple of teeth extracted a couple of weeks ago, which is why I was on my podcast hiatus because my teeth were a little sore. Man, I used Reiki and I had friends using, <laughs> I had friends doing Reiki treatments on me. I was doing Reiki, Reiki treatments on myself. Um, my healing time was cut in half and I needed next to no painkillers. I took a couple of ibuprofen throughout the week, but um, they allowed me up to, I don't know, it was like 3,000 milligrams a day. I think I only required 200 milligrams a day, maybe twice or three times in the week. So the painkillers that I needed for, for the post-op were, were next to none and the healing time was cut in half. So I can actually raise my hand and say yes, Reiki for a tooth, after a tooth extraction was unbelievable. Um, other studies submitted to peer journals uh, report that uh, Reiki was beautiful in cognition and elderly related to um, dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, pre-operative relaxation and post-op pain, pain in chronically ill patients, depress sorry, depression and stress. Um, as of 2009, the Touchstone process has evaluated 25 test studies that appeared in peer-reviewed journals evaluating the merits of Reiki treatments. Taking into consideration only the most rigorously controlled studies, the team reported that 83% showed moderate to strong evidence in support of Reiki as a viable therapeutic healing modality. So, um, September 15th, 2008, going back in time 10 years, the American Hospital Association president and CEO, Rich Umbenstock, that's spelled U-M-B, D-E-N-S-T-O-C-K, Rich Umdenstock, stated this, complementary and alternative medicine has shown great, uh, great promise in supporting and stimulating healing. It's one of the many tools hospitals look to as they continue to create optimal healing environments for the patients they serve, end quote. According to a 2008 HAA, that's American Hospital Association survey, 84% of hospitals indicated patient demand as the primary rationale in offering complementary and alternative medicine, including Reiki, and 67% of those surveyed stated clinical effectiveness as their, as their top reason. So 65 of those hospitals are listed on the Center for Reiki Research's website, including Duke Integrative Medicine in Durham, North Carolina, New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University Medical Center Campus in New York, New York, Yale in New Haven, Hospital New Haven, Connecticut, Sharp Memorial Hospital in 
Inpatient Cancer Support Services in San Diego, California, Children's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, and Citrus Valley Medical Center Cancer Resource in Covina, California. Okay, that those are some heavy hitters that I just listed as far as um, uh, hospitals listed on the Center for Reiki Research's website. And I find that to be really, really encouraging because the more that we can look at the person holistically, this, the whole stool with all three legs, the sooner that we are all going to start feeling better. I have got more and more therapists, behavior therapists, cognitive behavior therapists, um, sending me patients and saying, let's treat this person together. I have got doctors sending me patients, their patients saying, let's treat this patient together. And I say that is fantastic because the idea is complementary, not replacement. Um, some people really, I mean, hey, this is up to the individual. Um, I always say, let's look at the whole stool. Let's look at the physical, the mental, and the energy, and let me do my part. I can't set a broken bone, but I can help the body to get the energy flowing so that the body itself can heal itself faster. I absolutely love that. Um, healers are now showing up in operating rooms. Breast, breast program welcomes alternative practitioners before and during breast surgery. Physician surgeons and nursing staff at New York Presbyterian Columbia understand that emotional well-being plays an important role in healing as much as they do. That is so encouraging to me. So a lot of times when people come to me and they say, I keep hearing about this Reiki thing and it feels very woo-woo and please tell me, oh my gosh, it sounds so weird. You've got all this energy in the world and you're using that energy to help heal the body. And I'm like, yeah, it actually makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> um, it makes perfect sense to me, but I always say, try it for yourself. I've had many, 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 many people come in to me and say, Don, I am super skeptical. I am here because of my wife. If I had a dime for every time I heard that, I would have a million dimes. I am here because of my wife. <laughs> okay. But then they lay down on the, on the Reiki table and, you know, they relax. And all of a sudden now they start feeling energy moving through their body in very strange ways that they've never experienced before. And they're like, wait, what is happening? Why do I feel tingling in my feet? Why do I feel tingling up my legs? Why do I feel hot or cold or all of these sensations that is very normal for people to feel during a Reiki session? And my response is, that's your energy body. That's your energy field. You are feeling energy moving maybe for the first time in your life. And then they also cannot deny that when they get up the off the Reiki table that they say, I can't explain what just happened. That was wild or that was great. And I say, wonderful, but tell me. I know that our left analytical brain loves to try to understand stuff. How do you feel? And they're like, God, I feel amazing. I f it's so hard to explain. I feel lighter. I feel freer. I feel happier. Some people say I feel taller. And uh, that one I haven't been able to understand yet, except that I, I think what they are experiencing is just a little bit more space. Like they just feel more space between the vertebrae. But I'll tell you, honestly, anybody who's never had a Reiki session, you're going to listen to this podcast and probably roll your eyes. And I don't blame you because it sounds outlandish. It sounds crazy until you experience it yourself. 
Um, at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. I found a really interesting article um, on newyork.cbslocal.com. So interesting. Um, in 2004, so there's this gentleman named Austin Ivera, I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm going to spell it just so you can look it up yourself. I-V-E-R-E-I-G-H, Austin Ivera, says that in 2004, the Pope, who was then Cardinal George Bergoglio, began treatment with a Taoist monk named Liu Ming, L-I-U-M-I-N-G. Regular sessions of massage and acupuncture helped Bergoglio conquer symptoms of diabetes and gallbladder problems. So even the Pope, back in 2004, before he was the Pope, was working with a Taoist monk with acupuncture and massage. Um, which is really interesting because, um, again, that was back when acupuncture, 2004, that was what, that was 14 years ago? when it was starting to become a thing, but it really hadn't taken off and it really for sure isn't where it is today. So, you know, back in the day, the Pope, who was now the Pope, was using acupuncture or energy medicine along with massage to help some physical ailments that he was experiencing. Okay. Um, I think we are very, very clear um, about this notion. And just so you know, Qi is another word for energy. Ki, K-I, is another word for energy. Prana, P-R-A-N-A, is another word for energy. And what a term that we use here a lot in the West is our electromagnetic field. So as we start to wrap our heads around this idea, okay, um, Qi is a thing, vibration is a thing, right? Um, Energy is a thing. We've got this energy that flows through us and around us at all times. And when that energy flow is strong, we have vitality. And when that energy flow is weak, we feel not so vital. We don't have that same kind of pep. There are hospitals in Russia who, before they will do a surgery on somebody's physical body, they will check their electromagnetic field first. If their energy field, if their energy system is too weak, they will not perform the surgery because it is this energy field that is used during the healing process. So if you don't have the vitality in your energy field to help support the healing process, these hospitals in Russia won't even perform the surgery. What they will do is they will say, first we need to build your, your energy up before scheduling the surgery. And once we have built your energy up, then you will have the reserves required for the body to heal itself. So they will use, they've got, you know, all kinds of protocol for how they would um, create a stronger energy center before they will schedule the surgery. And they actually have instrumentation in, in these Russian hospitals that are able to measure your energy center. And I thought that is brilliant. That makes perfect sense to me. So they will go on maybe a certain diet or have certain supplements or certain 
alternative medicine practices that they will do to get these patients' energy centers stronger so that when the surgery is performed, they have the energy reserves, the body can pull from those energy reserves to heal itself. Makes, like I said, that makes perfect sense to me. So that, in a lot of cases, is why doctors will call me pre-op and post-op. So they'll say, Don't, I want my patient to see you. So they'll come in, we'll get their energy system nice and charged, get their energy system strong, the vitality up, and then they'll have the surgery and then they'll come back to me. And we will use that same, same philosophy, the energy system to help uh, replenish the energetic reserves to allow the body to heal. Okay. So we are noticing more and more and more conversations around energy work, uh, whether it's acupuncture, Reiki is getting foothold in all of this. Um, the idea is once we understand that we are energy systems as well as physical bodies, as well as having this mental aspect, we want to treat the whole system. The other thing to understand is this, and this is a big deal. We live in a time, especially here in the West, where everything is go, 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 do, 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 gotta hurry, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And what's really, really interesting is the body is either in fight or flight, which is its survival mode, or rest and repair. Some people call it rest and repair. Some people call it rest and digest. But essentially, the body works very differently when it is in survival mode. It is literally fight, flight, or freeze, or hide, right? Um, and different things can send us into survival mode. Different things, you know, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. Layoffs are looming. Oh my God, people go into survival mode. And the body operates really differently when it's in survival mode. It is trying to flee or fight, right? All the blood rushes to the limbs and it's not doing things, you know, in those moments like digesting food properly. Um, because right now we just gotta, we've got to save ourselves from the lion that's chasing us or we've got to, you know, prepare for this inevitable catastrophe, whatever. We are in fight or flight a lot. Another way of thinking about that is stress. We are in a stressful situation a lot. And fight or flight was always supposed to be a sprint, not a marathon. But when we calm the body down and when we get into, you know, those more relaxed, rested states, we can move into a place where our body starts to use the energy not to run away, but use the energy to heal itself use its energy reserves to digest food properly, use the energy reserves to get all of those vital organs working as they should, regulated, you know, blood pressure where it needs to be, um, glands producing the chemicals in a, in a way that um, is healthy and balanced. And you can't be in both places at the same time. You are either in fight or flight or rest and digest. You are either in um, survival mode or you are allowing your body to repair. So energy work, whether it's acupuncture, um, Reiki, a lot of people would put meditation under that energy work umbrella. All of that is there to support the body's own ability to heal itself. The body is amazing at that. 
So the more that we can look at that energy leg of the stool and say, look, the doctor's going to do this miraculous job of um, taking one organ out and putting another organ in. But then we need to look at the energy system to help support the body's own natural ability to heal itself. Okay. When you can think of it that way, of course it makes sense. So, as I said, more and more and more often, I'm hearing people, physicians, ER doctors, um, therapists who are incorporating energy work, Reiki being one of them, as a beautiful means to getting the whole person healthy and well and balanced. So now that we have sort of taken some of the mystery out of Reiki, more and more what I'm seeing and more and more what's happening is People are willing to give it a shot. And I'll be honest with you, normally it used to be that my phone would ring when people were feeling absolutely at the bottom of the barrel. What else have I got to lose? And I would say, okay, well, I'm glad my phone rang. And then they come in and all of a sudden they're realizing, oh my gosh, this is a game changer. This feels amazing. Soldiers coming back from war with awful, awful PTSD come in to see me and they're finding relief so much so that they're going back to their to their um, vet hospitals and saying, hey, have you guys looked into this thing called energy work? Have you guys looked into Reiki? Because it was really beneficial to me. So they're becoming advocates because they're feeling the benefits. Um, Children who suffer from anxiety, you know, and that causes them horrible nightmares. They're finding beautiful relief with energy work. I love Reiki because it's safe for everyone. It does not discriminate. Right? There are certain vibrational medicine um, modalities where they say, oh, you don't want to do that if you're pregnant or oh, you don't want to take that if you're, if you're breastfeeding. The beautiful thing about Reiki is that it's, it's safe for everybody. Um, so I have used it on everybody for, with depression, anxiety. Um, I had a mother come in who was not, her milk was not coming in at all. Um, and, or I shouldn't say not coming in at all. It was coming in very slightly. And she was having a very, very hard time getting her baby to latch onto, onto the breast so that she had a successful breastfeeding experience. So she called me up. She says, can you help me? And I said, you know, I've never used Reiki for this before, but I don't see why it wouldn't work. Um, because if we, go, again, go back down to the fundamentals, if we are all physical bodies with an energy system, Getting the energy flowing is going to help the body behave in a way that it already knows how to behave. I said, tell you what, come in, let's give it a try. If if we didn't find that it works because I haven't tested it for lactation, I'm not going to charge you. You've got nothing to lose. And I said, plus I'm kind of curious myself. So come on in. That poor thing came in with her baby. Her baby was not a happy camper. She was not a happy camper. Here's this poor woman who's gone through something pretty life-changing. And this baby's out here in a cold world going, what the heck is going on? And the breastfeeding experience was not working for them. So I laid them down on the Reiki table. It took about 30, 40 minutes. And all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, I, I'm feeling something very, very strongly. And then all of a sudden her milk came in beautifully. Like, like you said, within 45 minutes. And I was actually shocked that it happened that quickly. The baby latched on and she said, this is a beautiful experience. Um, And so I said, well, there's another thing that I can talk about it with. So um, beautiful. We're working with people with chemotherapy who are experiencing a lot of nausea and 
pain problems in the body, they're doing Reiki as um, in tandem with their chemotherapy treatments to help them ease the side effects of chemotherapy. Um, I, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And I can tell that the word is spreading because my books are getting really, really, really full. Um, and I am training others constantly because um, the busier I get, the more help I'm going to need. So I'm looking at my own personal uh, experience and span of influence and saying, this is definitely taking off. But at the end of the day, guys, my recommendation would be if, if you feel as though this resonates with you in any way, shape or form, my question is, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Um, try it. If it, if it feels like, wow, that really did something great. Now, you know, you can get on some kind of regular regimen. Um, it's non-invasive, right? Um, most people find the experience to be really, really, really relaxing, like ridiculously so. Um, so yeah, so if you have any questions, what I would say is go do some research, see if you can't find somebody in your area that, that you just feel like, Ooh, this feels really good. Um, it feels like a good connection. Um, and like I said, give it a try. So like I said, this conversation has been waiting to be had for a very, very, very long time. And now that we understand that we are all energy beings living in a physical body, we are finally able to answer, or at least getting closer to answer. And the scientific data is becoming more supportive of the notion that yes, we are more than just these physical bodies. And that's a very, very exciting thing because if all energy is either you know, um, it's the active or the working. That's your working kinetic energy. There's also a whole lot of stored potential energy. <laughs> and when we tap into that, oh my goodness, beautiful things, beautiful, beautiful things. So my wish for everybody listening is that they have a better and deeper understanding of what energy work is, uh, Reiki in particular, but hey, I'm a huge fan of acupuncture too, I have to say. If you feel like this wet your whistle on essential oils, go do some research. If you feel like this wet your whistle on meditation, go do some more research. That's the whole point of these podcasts is to get you to think about things in a new or slightly different way. Um, but I'd like to thank you for um, sticking with me, having an open mind and being willing to have this conversation. So um, may the force be with everybody here. Thanks again for your time and attention. And uh, if you at least got one little nugget, then it was worth all my time and energy doing this podcast. So have a great rest of your day, everyone. And thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.